0: Welcome to The Anthroposopher, where we bring Anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. Lisa Romero met Anthroposophy through a path of inner work over two decades ago. In this interview, we talk about how meditation can help us face the challenges of the world, the connection with who we are, and taking hold of ourselves in everyday life, and how we don't have time not to meditate anymore. So, Lisa, it is so nice to see you, and we haven't actually met in person, but now we're together, and you're in your hometown, yes, of?
1: Byron Bay.
0: Byron yep. Bay. That's great. And I'm all the way out here in California, so we're we're continents apart.
1: Yeah. <laughs> many hours. <laughs>
0: many hours, that's right. So, I'm just feeling really lucky to work with you, and I've heard so much about your work. Great. Um, yeah. I'm so thrilled you're coming to the conference. I'm so excited about the webinar. And I just feel like people are really asking for this work right now. Um, For all the work you're doing, frankly, um, with the contemplative practices and um, with relationships and biography and gender and sexuality. and I mean, all, all these things are so... So, um usually, what I kind of ask people first is how they came to anthroposophy, mm-hmm. so I wonder if we could like touch base on about that and then kind of go back to um, the webinars and the conference and, and this this work you 're doing with contemplative practices so
1: yeah sure well it 's interesting because um, I think my path to anthroposophy is a little unusual in the sense that I am. Um, was working in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I was working with a Rosicrucian teacher, and she said, you need this book, which is Knowledge of the Higher World. So I was 20 years old, and I thought, what is this? What is this work? And I only really met Rudolf Steiner as a spiritual teacher. That is how I saw my, you know, my relationship to the, his work, and I had no idea about anthroposophical medicine, farming schools, all of these other things. And so it was not for, you know, maybe four years later that I then joined the Sydney Rudder Steiner College and worked with my first anthroposophical mentor and had a very strong connection with him for over 10 years. And that's really how I entered into the heart of working out of anthroposophy. So A lot of people come to inner development through first being a teacher or first you know, involving themselves in some aspect of anthroposophy in the world. And then inner development comes a lot later down the track. For me, it was the first thing. And that's mm. what it that was all about until years later.
0: And that's been your path the whole time, this inner development path, right? It's just been the thing that you've built on. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what that evolution and what you do now.
1: Yeah. So my um, teacher, um, who was like the grandfather of Anthroposophy in Australia, he um, he wanted to go on and develop the first um, internet. Uh, course for studying anthroposophy. This was 20 years ago, right? So this is quite something. And so he actually asked me to start taking on his uh, teaching work, which was male female studies and health and nutrition in the rudolf uh, College. So I picked up his teaching while he finished off this course, Educare Do, And people kept asking me, how have you managed to bring this so alive? And I said, well, it's the, you know, development work, you know, knowledge of the higher worlds. <laughs> How else is it that you understand anthroposophy, really? And so for me, that's where people started to ask me eventually, could I um, start bringing that work? And so it's been many years of me working with um, anthroposophical meditative practices in terms of supporting the understanding of that work. And also, um, as you may be aware, I've written several books on anthroposophical inner development, or inner development really understanding the form that anthroposophy can shed on that inner path. And so it's really been a transformation for me from finding that as the main path for myself, entering how it affects people in the world. So we've Health, nutrition, understanding spirituality and sexuality, male, female studies, and then coming back to the heart of seeing that that's really what I need to teach. That's really what I'm being asked to do by others to kind of step in to this um, support of helping them understand all of these hundreds of exercises, how they work, why we do them, and what results may uh, be achieved if we engage with them.
0: Yes, so you just said. Uh, hundreds of exercises. So I'm familiar with six for sure. <laughs> and, and others beyond that, but hundreds. So, um, so if, if I, if I came to you, if someone came to you and said, you know, I really want to strengthen my spiritual practice, where would you start? How would you work mm-hmm. with someone?
1: Okay, so we all know. I guess we know about the six subsidiary exercises, which are an essential practice, and they're in most um, in the development schools in some form. They yes, actually,
0: and can you say them out loud, just in case people listening don't know what they are? I have the bookmarks that are all written with the names of them. There's the so just just right, the words that go I with come each. Under
1: a few different names, according to where you've read them, but you're looking at um, equanimity of feeling concentration of your thinking, the um, engagement of your independent will, um, open-mindedness, positivity, if, and various ways in which they are brought together. But yeah, I should um, like to point out that real Steiner gave those exercises, and one of the reasons I brought them in in the book Sex, Education and the Spirit, is because... With something like gender, we are very inscribed upon, we could say we're conditioned by the collective consciousness of how we should behave and be according to the bodily vehicle that we're in. And that's very clear when you go to a different culture. So for instance, if you're a man in India, you can be more publicly affectionate to other men without anything to do with sexuality. It's just culturally different. You see army people in Uh, places like um, Egypt, holding hands while they're doing their army rounds. So these gender inscriptions that we get are really interesting for me because the six subsidiary exercises, which is what those six exercises are often called, help to um, prevent outer hindrances, such as those kind of conditionings. Whereas meditation exercises help to help us to overcome our inner hindrances. And so when you're working on the inner path, working to prevent outer hindrances, working to overcome inner hindrances, both are essential. Because you get more sensitive on one level. If you didn't do the six subsidiary exercises, you would have an onslaught of outer experiences whilst you're trying to do the inner experiences. And in a certain way, you can't go wrong with them. Um, But the reason why I focus more on the meditative exercises and particularly inner development exercises is because many people recognise such a truth in the realities that Rudolf Steiner brings about the spiritual world, but don't have a direct experience themselves of that. In fact, that's one of the reasons I... Started work because I, I gave a lecture oh maybe 10, 12 years ago, and one um, really honest meditator came up to me and said, I've never had an experience that lets me know for myself that the spiritual world exists. So I said, Well, let's let's do this course. And the building of that those practices has really allowed people to experience for themselves that this path of meditative life really does develop something. And also many people uh, i were aware of was stepping away from the anthroposophical meditative path because they felt it didn't bear results, choosing rather to do something like a, a, a Buddhist meditation. And so I've also attempted to bring about clarity between what exercises do, what are we seeking to achieve, and what are the results what's the difference for instance between a normal exercise and when we focus our attention uh, on an imagination and an inner exercise like working with the rose cross and by us experiencing these things and comparing them for ourselves we get a clarity of the you know the majesty of some of these exercises given out of anthroposophy that really have a specific effect on the human soul to support us and prepare us for the journey of our relationship with the spiritual world.
0: Mm. Wow! Well, now I just want to sign up. So if I could sign up now, that would be <laughs> that would be really great. I mean, I I love that that person was so honest, and that you were able to respond to that with. Um, such an openness and and a a, a possibility for exploration with them and how nice that that kind of yeah that that track going so yeah so so people would come and
1: when I visit a community somebody says let's I can host this or I can support this work and then we can we come together and we go through a very um Clarified form of the uh, of Meditation how you work with your inner life to build up a relationship to the particular exercise and then also some of the valuable points that people forget for instance the preparation required before you enter into meditation and Also the extinguishing of the exercise so that you can be in your inner world with inner activity, but no content and these various stages Often get overlooked because um, it's not always necessarily written together. So that's where I've um, tried to bring that clarity out in my first book, The Inner Work Path. Um, and then from there, I also work with a lot of teachers. So every year, I work with at least 160 Australian teachers, which is extraordinary. And I've just come back from working with 170 um, early childhood educators that got me into it with inner development, and it was—it's really quite something to see how many people are recognising that the strength that we receive through a meditative path that really helps us to engage more deeply in the world is becoming a necessity, and at the same time, a meditative path that actually allows us to awaken to the realities of the spiritual world. It's not a path that takes us into monasteries away from life, out of, where we need to continue with the progression, but it is a path that actually really gives us the strength to enter into it. Mm. So Out of that, I then went on to write the second book, which was developing the self, giving lots of people exercises to be able to take hold of themselves. In everyday life, as Ril Steiner said, if a, if a teacher's managed to take hold of their inner life, they have far more strength and capacity in their work than if they haven't. What they say to a child has a deeper effect. And I, I can actually see this. You can really see this. Teachers sometimes say, I don't have time to meditate until they start to feel the effects of meditation. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have time not to meditate. If I'm yeah. Dead doing
0: my work right because it's so it's the strength that gives you the strength and you know i've been having this conversation with my friends about and actually one of the last po- podcasts with jones lee um from the gertianum i was saying to her like how how do we deal with life right now and how fast it is and you know you know I could I could barely get on the call to to have this interview because my children are running around and there's a friend here and I have to text my husband and the and you know and this morning I, I put on my little meditation timer and I sat and I did what I thought was a good start you know and I still think it I still think it is but I don't I I agree I don't I don't think we can go on without it there's we need the strength of it and that it's it's for you said it's for and i enjoyed this like it's for your inner work and also for the connection with the spiritual world so it's not just what you would find in a sort of clear your mind meditation there's also this connection happening which is you know beautiful in anthroposophy
1: and it does actually really um, become a source not only of strength for our tasks in the world, but you know the strength for meeting everything that's happening in the world right now. You know we, we're not just up against the, our individual tasks; we're also up against a, a world challenge. And you know, Astana gives that picture. We we can do nothing more for the world's further evolution than to evolve ourselves. And these, you know, that picture that we would recognize that that becomes a reality. And I think in anthroposophy, that's in the last 10 years, people have begun to recognize that. The last five years, maybe even more so. And so even though I may, you know, I've been working with this for a long time, the level of interest in it has risen extraordinarily over the last, uh, I'd say, seven, five to seven years. And it's, you know, I'm being asked to go into teacher trainings, which would, would have been he- unheard of really in the past, that teacher trainings would have had inner development as a component to the work. But it's now being recognised as a necessity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing to be a part of um, engaging with people in this way and to see the fruits and the results it's, and the strengthening that it gives to people in their work.
0: Yes. And could you have an example of that? Like you said, you could really see it with your teachers. Some, something come to your mind of like what, how you've seen someone sort of transform themselves. or like
1: uh, Yeah, I can think of a lot of people. I think of people that found it hard to walk out of the door without a dose of rescue remedy. or uh, you know, And then they find after meditative life, they are much more able to um, not be so... Um, bombarded by the outer world and also be able to bring what is really um, speaking in their inner life into their work so that they feel that it's not a disconnect between who I am in the heart of my being and what I have to do in the world, that there is some sort of uh, relationship. And there's many, many situations that people have come up to me and said that very statement I I now don't have time not to meditate because it has become a resource
0: Mm. for
1: for being able to play in my work. And just watching how teachers don't get as sick when they take on a practice that way, which is very interesting Mm -hmm. also because that is a field that I work in with health. And to watch how um, they're able to manage the workload that is coming, particularly because it is becoming harder to just be a teacher today with everything that's occurring around them, yeah.
0: Wow, okay, so so people can come and work with you individually and now you're going to offer this webinar series, so like, can you tell me, I mean, I am so curious to hear what we'll be exploring when we're together, um, because yeah. you know, we're, on, we're online and online is very comfortable for me, it's not comfortable for everybody um and and then you'll be with us again in in new orleans at the at the conference so face to face which is beautiful i'd like to mix those two yeah. things so. yeah
1: no, i think that's a really uh, good idea i mean the webinar um the sessions aren't that long and i will try to um bring both the um understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we approach a particular the particular form of the meditative practice um, but we'll also have certain experiences. So there will be exercises that we'll work on and then say, well, let's, let's see where, where, where they are working on if we do them. So it's not going to be just people listening to me, but actually engaging with. Um, one of the things about anthroposophical meditation, as you may be aware of, there, there's no such thing as a guru and there's no real meditation teacher in the sense that I follow that. But what, the, the teaching really is to say, how would you understand what exercises you yourself might need? It's not here are exercises you must do, but if you look at the form and if you engage yourself with the um, understanding of what the exercises do, then you can decide for yourself, okay, this is what I need. This is where I should be working And ultimately, we really are our own teachers. That's why the path awakens us first to our one and true only guide, the higher self. And if we can um, understand how these exercises really work with us, then we can take that step with more surety. So as a so-called teacher of the meditative path, it's really um, in giving people the form of which they work completely in freedom out of one could say the form has been given archetypally but everybody walks it incredibly individually and and that's one of the reasons that i went on to write the the third book living in a development because um, the exercises do bear different results also even though they have an archetype the path of towards the spiritual world um, is in a certain way clearly laid down but we all have various capacities already developed and we have to actually look at ourselves and quite honestly and see what's developed what's not developed how would I through using an exercise recognize what's stronger or weaker in me and therefore know exactly which exercise I need to focus on to build what's and requires building mm. so we're going to do a bit of that work to understand that and also to see the effects of the exercises to be able to get an insight into how they can help us in everyday life for things like um, making decisions so forth um, so we're going to look at the meditation form and the inner development exercises and it will then be followed up by the um, work in New Orleans And Mm -hmm. I think on the Sunday, we're gonna have three or four hours of a meditative workshop, um, which uh, which will be wonderful then for those people that feel like, oh, they're really interested to come together. And it's quite something, of course, we don't meditate with others in the traditional sense, but to work together on spiritual questions brings about a substance which one doesn't get when one meditates alone
0: absolutely absolutely yeah that that's so nice to talk about it in the context of a community or a group of people that are i mean i just think of the conversations i have in my daily life and when they go to that deeper place um, how fulfilling and meaningful that is. So I, c- I can be having those in my head all the time. <laughs> but when it spills out in my kitchen with a friend, you know, it's, it's a very different kind of thing. And it carries and it moves forward. It has a, a movement to it that's different when you're just doing it yourself, I would say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And also in, in that sense, when Rudolf Steiner said it is the will of the spiritual world to bring these pictures between us, we really get an experience of that when people in the right frame of mind come together to say, you know, let's really work on in the development. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you work with schools, um, regarding these issues. And was—I I w I didn't know as much about the technology, but I know you're working with schools around gender identity and yeah. things like that. So what, what does that work like for you and, and, yeah Yeah. how do you how do you work with people on this I mean it is it is like the hottest you know issue right now in in most schools especially elementary schools you hear so much about transgender children and everything that's that's going on there so what what's that work like
1: well you know what's um extraordinary is that so much of The insights given by Rudolf Steiner around um, that are woven into Ward of Education are not only being proven scientifically now, but are also um, helping to shed light on some of the issues. So for instance, he gave this image that you know in Ward of schools we'll find boys and girls doing all of the same things. So you see, boys and girls are knitting, boys and girls are doing all of the subjects. And, he, you know, apart from this having a social effect, he says, this is a far deeper effects. And then we're, we're recognising that in, in Australia, the Children's Health Association are the ones that just told the toy stores, you've got to stop putting all the homemaking toys in pink boxes on one side of the toy shop and all the action toys in blue boxes on the other side of the yeah. toy shop, because the actual evidence is, is it affects the neural development. The very thing that we're assigned actually is woven into the of education is now being proven that actually it's really important when a child is young to expose them to the smorgasbord of everything. But in our limitations, we tend to already gear children to, you must do this if you're a boy, you must do that as a, if you're a girl. And the interesting thing, there is a, a process where
0: mm-hmm.
1: the child we know learns through imitation but it's deeper than copying imitation is also this part of the child's consciousness that is left over from being in the spiritual world where I am not separate from the world around me I unite with it and it is not until around five or six that the child's process of taking hold of their body they become aware of in consciousness, whether they're a boy or a girl, in the fullness of that. Of course, children say earlier, I'm a boy, and that means I've got a penis. But Mm -hmm. actually, really knowing what it means to be a boy in the society that I've been brought up with, usually happens around five or six when they play in so-called doctors. And it's at that age that the child becomes aware of really what they are and what's expected of them. And Mm -hmm. some of them do not marry between what they carry inwardly, what they want to be in the world, and then what they're allowed to do according to the outer conditioning. And this clash of this collective consciousness that has kind of inscribed itself on the human being and the individuality kind of stepping into the world happens at this age which many individuals feel like, I'm not sure if what I carry is actually acceptable in this community that I'm being brought into. You know, the hundreds of cases I've taken where people said, I knew I was homosexual at the age of five. And I think, well, is that what you knew? Or is it you, that you, you became aware of something living in you isn't fully embraced by the community that you're living in? Mm. How, many, how many people say, I knew I was heterosexual at the age of five? Right. You don't have to think in that way. Right, You're right. Resounding with the collective yes. acceptance. Yes. So I think as a community, we've got a lot of work to do to mm-hmm. work with this much deeper principle that's in World of Education, which is to really help this individual stand in the world in such a way that as adults, they can go on and unfold their freedom. Mm hmm. You know, to leave a child free from stuffing them with ideas of who we think they should be is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to childhood. Mm,
0: That's beautiful. I love this idea of the Waldorf School being this place where there is freedom in in that and the smorgasbord of, of different options for play and...
1: Well, if, if we're right, and Steiner is saying that we, the first prerequisite of a ward off teacher is to have reverence for the soul spiritual life that the child is bringing with them. The soul spiritual is neither gender. Your right. consciousness, your soul being, your eternal aspects of your being have neither gender. But your capacities, who you are as an individual, that's truly what we're here to help you to be how can i help you be all you need to be rather than define you by the bodily vehicle which you carry
0: Mm. i'm so glad you're doing this work i'm so glad someone in the anthroposophical movement is doing this work for sure um and so i guess what what do you feel is coming up like what do you feel the world is is asking of us right now what what's happening with these sort of counter forces that we've been talking about. You said in the last five years, people are really asking for more of this.
1: Well, I think it is connected to um, going beyond just the outer appearance of life. We need to find a new relationship to spirituality that has not been inscribed upon by a deadened form, but is a living relationship that we ourselves are clear about this is something that lives in us and the more the world goes into this realm of pulling us away from um, the inner um, activity and into the outer peripheral self and the peripheral personality I sometimes like to call it the Kardashian consciousness (laughs) when we are being pulled to make this who we are and to disregard the kind of um, reality of what the human being is in the depths of our being. um, We are becoming uh, thirsty and hungry for this path. And so there are these changes going on in the external world, which I think are reflections of our need to um, awaken more to the spiritual realities. And if I can see it in that way, and we don't just take it as political correctness, of we have to make sure everybody's in the right bathroom, but actually take it as this inner movement where we, people are being called to be asked to be seen as individual beings, not to be grouped together, just because of the um, bodily form, or because of the condition of the community that they are born into. So wow. these roles is coming, I think, from varying levels, and of course, you know, technology has a part to play in that because it can divert us from experiencing our inner world at such an early age. That um, even, though of course, a child is never taught to meditate anthroposophically, but the world of the child allows them to build an inner space, World of Education is helping to carve inner spaces, not to develop a peripheral personality. And you know, th- this is gonna stand a human being in the world in such a positive way, but when technology is constantly pulling us onto the periphery of ourselves through the stimulation of our nervous system and the stimulation of certain senses only, then we are losing that inner uh, space at a very early age. And so I look at that and I look at the effects of healing that within the book spirit led community um, and healing the impact of technology through actually changing our relationship to the senses and our inner world. And, but I'm not the only one doing that. I have a, a, a team of people that I work with in, in America and Australia and they can be found under developing So I have colleagues that, Go into schools in the USA, working with the sex education program in the light of these ideas, and also with the healing um, the impact of technology both in the states and in australia and so if you go on the path on on the website mm-hmm. development health, you can see those individuals and find out how to um, call them in and as long as also You can look at um, how to bring me directly into a community. And uh, I'm already, I I will be doing that when I'm in, in, in America next time. A couple of schools have asked me to go in. But I always come from this much deeper place than, you know, there's not just a system to put into place, but a deeper place about how do we really understand the true nature of the human being? How will we begin to put our gaze towards that? And if we were really working out of the principles of ward of education, no individual child would feel that they were not included and accepted by what they carry. And so that's how um, I'd like to let people know that there's a a whole number of us doing this work together. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also, between us, carry... um, a social initiative called the Y Projects, which allows young people from the age of 16 to 26 to get supported in their um, in various ways, whether it be um, mentorship or just connecting with other uh, groups of people. We're going to be doing a Y Project retreat in New York in 2019, where young people can come together and working through the arts and inner development kind of recreate these inner spaces, which you know, is much mm-hmm. harder for them to grasp today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so all of these things, people will be able to talk with you about in New Orleans, for sure. I know you're going to have a, a table with the yeah. educator, do, which is this um, correspondence sort of yeah. anthrop- anthroposophical foundations class. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be able to talk with you about this project for young people. And then the, and can you say the website one more time, develop? Uh, DevelopingTheSelf.org. Mm-hmm. And
1: my website, InnerWorkPath.com. <laughs> yes. okay. There's quite a team of us that carry this work and yeah. are really committed to um, trying to bring uh, these really rich and um, powerful pictures that Rudolf Steiner gave, but bring them into life in our age and, and our time.
0: Well, thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to spending some time with you. And I think you've given people a lot to think about today. Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode. <music>